Welcome to Murder Bucket, a true crime podcast where I talk about everything from murders, paranormal activity, kidnappings, abductions, and also weird stuff. If you never want to miss a new episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It would also be helpful if you rated and left me a review. This spreads the word about Murder Bucket. Let's see what we're going to pull out of the bucket this week. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to another glorious Tuesday. We have been away for two weeks, and the reason for that is my husband, myself, and our daughter went to Texas for vacation. We saw pretty much all of my husband's family, well, most of my husband's family, like brothers, sisters, mom, dad, grandmother, cousins, aunts, you name it, we saw them. Got to see one of my high school best friends. My dad came up from Austin to Dallas and we got to spend some time with him. We drove all over the place. We ate way too much food, but we had an absolutely wonderful time. I do have to say that I am glad to be home. I do miss everybody there, but I do like my own bed, my own routine, you know, just being able to like lounge around my own house. I'm sure you understand that. So tonight's episode is going to be a Q&A. We have 19 questions and it is also the very first episode of the month. So please stick around to the end as we will have True Crime News Corner. It's going to be very interesting. We got lots of stuff to cover. We're just going to go ahead and jump right in. As far as the questions for tonight that I will be answering, I haven't really looked too much into depth on these because I wanted to just give you like first answer that comes to mind or not, I guess, not really research it or rehearse it or write it down kind of thing. So just bear with me. I promise we're going to get through it and it's going to be great. Let's just go ahead and get started. So question number one is, can you name one crime that hit you so heavy that you had to take a break? Let me just scroll back here through all of my episodes because I know which one I want to talk about, but I don't remember exactly the name. Okay, so here we are. This is back uh, episode seven and eight. It was the murder of Sylvia Likens. And I had to take a break on that one and put it into two parts, which is actually the first two-part episode that we ever did, only because, of course, she was a young girl, she was tortured, she was killed by another mother, which is very disheartening that you think that if you are a mother that most, most women, I would say, have that motherly instinct and want to protect their children. So it, it really upset me of the fact that this woman could just look at another child and be, okay, I'm going to torture and kill this person. I'm going to allow other children in the neighborhood to come and do the same thing. And I'm going to treat this child as less than anything else, even less than her own animals, which was absolutely horrendous. I definitely got choked up and kind of teary-eyed when I was researching it. And I tried my very best when I was recording it to not show those emotions. But obviously in some later episodes, I did show emotions when it did talk about children. 
Question two says, what crime influenced you the most to start your podcast? You're going to hear my mouse click here because I'm going to pull up a little web page. So there was a podcast that I listened to several, several years ago. It was called Someone Knows Something. And it was a CBS, or I'm sorry, a CBC podcast. And let me see if I can find the gentleman's name. Um, his name was David Riggin. And I apologize if I say that incorrectly. Um, but one of his like seasons on his podcast, he talked about this child. And again, we're going right back to children. But he talked about this child named Adrian McNaughton who disappeared in the summer of 1972. And David has tried for so many years to find Adrian or to find any sort of clue as to what happened to him. Because obviously his family want to know if somebody kidnapped him, if he fell into a lake and he drowned, if he got lost somewhere and he unfortunately succumbed to his injuries or lack of food or anything in the woods. And that was like, I wanted to know every single thing about this. I wanted to hear everything that David learned, figured out. I was like so into it. And every single time something happened, I was like right there listening to it, like right on the edge of my seat, hoping that something was going to come about this and that the family whatever family was left was going to figure it out. They were going to know something, even if it was just like a tiny bit of clothing, then maybe they could figure out, okay, maybe he fell into the lake where they were and he drowned or he got washed under a current or something. So that one has definitely been like the most influential. I kind of like started a lot of things. And that's really like where I guess I started the podcast of wanting to find information of like lesser known crimes because I didn't know anything about Adrian McNaughton, not just because it was from 1972, but because I had never seen anything about it. And it's also from Ontario. So question number three says, what do you think is important for someone starting a true crap, true crime? See, there we go. Not editing that out. What do you think is important for someone starting a true crime podcast to know? I think probably the most influential thing that you need to know when you start this is that there are going to be some cases or things that you research that are going to really get to you, just like that first question, what hit you so heavy? Things that are going to really get to you, they're going to rattle you. Um, there are going to be some things that you think are going to be a fantastic episode and it's going to get you like a really long recording time. And then you come to find out like after however much research that everything that you've kind of written down or looked up or watched or read or anything is like not very long. And I'm just going to tell you right now, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged if you don't have exactly what you want right at the at the moment, like if you can't find a specific case you're looking for, or you're, you're getting upset over not being able to like, I don't know, 
get past like, hey, I researched this episode tonight. I'm going to record it tonight. I'm going to edit it tonight and I'm going to upload it tonight. And then you kind of feel like you're just getting behind all the time. So that would be, that would be it. So don't get discouraged or anything about not getting ahead on your podcast, like on your episodes, because I can tell you right now, I'm definitely not ahead of any of my episodes. I research something that week, usually Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I record it on Tuesday, I edit it on Tuesday, and you listen to it on Tuesday. So don't get discouraged about that and just know that there are going to be some things that are going to rattle you and you're just going to have to find like that happy medium almost and like go find something that's going to make you happy so you can get out of that mindset. Um, ooh. See, I didn't research this at all. What is your favorite Australia murder story? And I'm going to take you on a little Google search here because I didn't research anything. Okay, so don't shoot me for this, but I literally just looked up like 10 spine-chilling crimes that shocked Australia. And this is an article on thetravel.com from October of 2019. So number 10, it says in the 1990s, uh, this was called the Snowtown Murders, that's sometimes referred to as the bodies in the barrel. So apparently between 1992 and 1999, 12 men and women fell victim to someone named John Bunting, Robert Wagner, Mark Hayden, and James Velasquez, who believed their victims were involved in an inappropriate relationship with their children, among other things. Um, Let's see. Number seven says the Port Arthur tragedy, which apparently 35 people were killed and 23 people were wounded during a mass shooting, which happened in April of 1996. Um, I have heard of, this one is number five, it's called the Backpack Murders. Um, apparently this was in New South Wales between 1989 and 1993, where seven victims were found buried in the Balanglo State Forest. I hope I said that right, I probably didn't. Uh, all seven of these people were missing, with five of them being foreign backpackers. Um, so those are just a few, like I said... Didn't really research this because I wanted to just give you my authentic answer. Um, But I have heard of the backpack murder. So that one, I guess we'll go with question four. What's your favorite Australian murder story? Question five says, what is your pet peeve about the true crime community? I think my biggest pet peeve is I know several people who have questioned why I do this, um, that it's not a good thing um that it's not christian of me to do this uh to talk about this kind of thing um but really i do this because i want the victim stories to be heard the lesser known crimes the things that a lot of people haven't heard or any of the unsolved cases that maybe if somebody talks about it and somebody listens to the podcast that maybe they knew something or maybe they know someone that knows something. And like I said, my biggest pet peeve is there are a lot of people that think that I do this because I like murder or I relate to the 
um, criminals or it's like a satanic thing and it's 100% not. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest pet peeve. Let's see. Episode question six says what episode, if any, that you've researched and recorded has affected you the most so far? So let's go back to my list here. And I already talked about the murder of Sylvia Likens, and that was very upsetting. Um, Episode 9, which was talking about the Crownsville Hospital, which is actually here close to where I live. It's probably about 10 minutes uh, from my house, which used to be uh, an African-American-only insane asylum that uh, opened in 1963. Or uh, that was until it was integrated in 1963. Um, that one is very disturbing because I watched the documentary that was put out about it. And a lot of the people that were interviewed were either staff members or they were actual patients of the facility. And like reiterated their horror stories about everything that went down as far as a lot of patients were crowded in one room and left there in their like soiled underwear or they were left without food or the nurses didn't have the means to be able to help these people. Um, A lot of people were literally just thrown into this building and left there. Um, So that one was very upsetting. Let me see. Uh, The episode 13, the Hyatt Regency walkway collapse. Um, Because I can only imagine what was going through some people's minds when they were in that hotel and they were dancing, they were having a good time, they were partying, and then all of a sudden, three, I think it was two or three of those walkways collapsed. And there were some people that were found still alive, and I I just can't fathom what they had to be thinking when they were waiting for somebody to come find them. Um... One of my favorite episodes, but also kind of freaked me out because I love going on hikes, was episode 16, which was the Todd Orr's bear attack. Um, Todd Orr was a gentleman who went hiking in Montana and got attacked by the same bear twice and was able to escape. That always freaks me out that I'm just going to like get attacked by some sort of animal when I'm out hiking. And obviously I don't want that to happen when I'm hiking with my husband and my daughter. Let's see, probably a lot of these uh, episodes I did for the cold case road trip were um, obviously all of these people were uh, never either never found or their killer was never found or their killer was never uh, brought to justice or anything like that. Um, As of right now, the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 kind of like Let's see, what was the question? Uh, oh, it kind of, it, it affects me right now because I flew to Texas and I get like anxiety gut when I go to the airport. So when we left to go to Texas, our flight didn't leave until nine o'clock. And I made our friend who lives with us take us to the airport at seven because I was terrified that we were not going to get through security in time because it was me, my husband, my daughter. We had all three backpacks. We had my purse. We had iPhones and laptops and iPads and take off our shoes and all that kind of stuff. We got through security in like 15 minutes. 
Um, and I don't really like airplanes. Like, I'm always, like, I have that irrational fear that the airplane is just going to crash. So that one affects me right now. Um, I think that's about it. I'm, we're back to the, like, cult miniseries and, uh, like, the food series that we did. So we're just going to move on to the next question, which is question seven. Do you say people, do people say that your daughter looks more like you or your husband? The majority of the time people say that she looks exactly like me. Um, if you want to see baby pictures of me, you're more than welcome to ask and I will share them with you. Um, but I would say 90, not 90, probably 80% of the time, a lot of people say she looks like me, um, but depending on a certain picture of her and my husband, she looks just like him, or when he's around her and I'm, like, not there or I'm, like, off doing something, they'll say that she looks just like him. Uh, but that was a good question. Let's see. Question eight is, if you were not working at your current job, what is something else you might like to do or be? So, fun fact. When I was in high school, I worked at an assisted living. I worked at several of them, and I was going to go to college to be a gerontologist, which is somebody who studies aging. I love old people. I think they are so cute, um, not just like in their looks, but like the things that they do as far as... um. Like, things they used to do when they were our age versus how we do things today. Or I loved, like, all of their stories of things, of how simple things were back in the day. Um, so I really wanted to work with old people. And I apologize if that's, like, a derogatory term. I wanted to work with people who are older than me and older than my parents. Um, so in high school, I worked in an assisted living where I was a dietary assistant. So I helped make all the food, uh, prepared everything and took it to anybody's rooms who were either bed bound or sick that day or just didn't want to eat in the dining room. Um, and then I worked at a second assisted living where I was a nurse's aide and I helped the uh, nurse on call with all the medication and like bandage changing and like the beds and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think I've mentioned it before that at that second place was where we had the like creepy, um, what were they called? The little call button around their necks where the button went off and we went to go search for the resident because at the time, depending on where you were, if you pushed your call button and actually told you where told us where you were in the building. Um, and to make a long story short, a patient, a resident, pushed her call button that said she was in one hallway, which that's not where her room was. So we went down that hallway, nobody there, went down to her hallway, nobody there, went to her room. She was fast asleep, but somebody in her room said, hello, can you help me? And it wasn't her voice. So that freaked me out just a little bit. And then the gentleman who showed up in the middle of the night outside the doors trying to get inside 
um, and we called the police and it turns out that they were looking for a specific worker who was like the either a nurse or a cleaner that worked there and they were going to try and kill her and ended up finding her sister at home and killing her. If you would like me to elaborate on that story, just let me know and I will in the next episode. Um, but then my husband and I got married and we moved to Virginia and I worked at a assisted living there. And that is where my career in gerontology and working with people my grandparents' age uh, kind of ended because the building that I was working in, and at the time I was the activities coordinator, um, so the building at the time was two stories, so obviously grandparents' age people cannot walk up the stairs very well, so there are elevators. And I was getting in an elevator with one of the residents. Mind you, this resident had like on and off, I wouldn't say on and off Alzheimer's, but she would kind of like slightly forget where she was. She would have kind of like manic episodes, I guess. Uh, I didn't think anything of it because I was just going upstairs to try and do something really quick and coming back down. Um, but turns out she knew how to stop the elevator. and. When I got in, she, the, like the, when I got in, she got in, the doors closed, we started going up, she stopped the elevator, mind you, the alarm didn't go off, and she proceeded to attack me, like scratching and clawing and all that stuff, and I guess something clicked in her head, I was able to get her off of me, um, started the elevator back up, and I did work there for probably maybe another month, and then I ended up putting my notice in. And I don't work in that field anymore. So yeah, that kind of like eliminated all of that. Let's see, we are on question nine. Do you prefer learning about solved or unsolved cases? This is probably a 50-50 answer. I like both of them. I like learning about both of them. Uh, so the solved portion I like because obviously I like the closure of finding out what happened, who did it, if they were brought to justice, if they served time. Um, and I like kind of seeing how the police figured it out or seeing how someone figured it out of who it was, or if maybe that person just came and confessed. Um, and then as far as the unsolved portion of this question, I like those as well, only because I like to see everything that everyone has tried. Um, like the gentleman named David in the Adrian McNaughton case, he has literally tried everything. He has had people combing this lake, has pe had people uh, coming back and forth year after year trying to find something. Um, but I like all the attempts. Um, there is a... There's a gentleman, I think it's like multiple people uh, that I watch on YouTube and TikTok. They do like short videos on TikTok. They do like hour long videos on YouTube, but they are like a search team for people who have gone missing in like rivers, lakes, that kind of thing. And um, I just, I like the, the aspect of everyone, like the dive teams or somebody going 
and taking this side of the lead or somebody going down that rabbit hole to try and figure out what's going on um, and maybe somewhere connecting the two and maybe eventually kind of figuring it out. Um, so I do like both of them. Question 10 is very interesting. It says, would you rather be a pirate or cowboy? Oh, I don't know the answer to this question. Um, oof. I would say pirate only because the first thing that comes to mind with a cow with a pirate is you're surrounded by water. So you always have the supply of water. And with a cowboy, you might not always have that supply because a lot of cowboys, at least in like old Western films, are in the middle of the desert, excuse me, are in the middle of the desert and there's like not a lot of water. I would have to go with pirate. If you could be any mythical creature, what would you be and why? And the first thing that comes to mind with that is, I think the dog, what is a dog's name in Harry Potter? I think his name was Fluffy, the one that Hagrid was very protective of. It was either the dog or his dragon that they, in one of the movies, uh, he was supposed to get killed, like beheaded or something, and they were able to travel back in time to like fix everything and save the dragon. So I would probably have to be the dog and the dragon. Kind of combine the two, maybe. Go back and forth. Can I do that? Is that allowed in this question? Question 12 says, what is your favorite dinosaur? And I'm horrible with dinosaur names, but I can tell you what it looks like. Um, it's like the Land Before Time dinosaurs, the ones with the really long necks. I think those are just fascinating because, kind of like a giraffe, I'm just cu very curious about the like the, the skeleton, the bone structure of their neck, and like how it's like so curvy on the dinosaur. But I couldn't tell you what its name is. I'm sorry. Question 13 says, if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? And I would have to say the first place I would go if I had the means to travel anywhere would be South Korea. And the reason for that is my brother Matthew was adopted at four and a half months old. Uh, and he was born in Busan, South Korea. And I would just love to see where he was born. I would love to see uh, the orphanage, if it is still there, of where he was brought to. Um, I would love to take in, like, all of his culture and all the food and kind of see, like, if he still lived there, like, where he would live and how he would grow up compared to how he grew up here in the United States with my parents, our parents. Um, I've always been fascinated with that. Um, he, not so much. I mean, he does love his culture and he loves... Korean food and obviously would love to go to Korea um but he's not one of those adoptees that like wants to find his family or anything I guess his birth family because he always says he already has his family um so yeah that's where I would want to go number 14 is what first got you interested in cr in true crime um and that's kind of back to question two about what influenced you the most um, 
but really it's just I've always been interested in those type of things like it's weird I'm terrified of like horror movies and like scary books and scary tv shows and those kind of things um even though it's not real it still like freaks me out uh but for some reason like true crime stories like serial killers and unsolved things and anything like that is just extremely fascinating to me. Uh, let's see. Question 15. Do you think you will have more children at some point? Ooh, that's a loaded question there. Uh, maybe? Possibly? The main issue is childcare is extremely expensive and neither one of us has the means to quit our jobs and support the other one. Um, so maybe. That's about all I can say on that one. Let's see. Question 16 is what is your weirdest paranormal experience? And I kind of elaborated a little bit on that uh, several episodes ago when I we did the uh, listener ghost and paranormal stories. And I kind of said that earlier uh, in the question about my current job. But yes, it was that was probably the creepiest one. Um, I don't think I've had really any more paranormal-like experiences. I don't know if you would consider dreams to be paranormal or like where like people could come back and talk to you kind of thing. But I mean, some people do. Some people think that that's just like a window for like, people who have died to come back and talk to you or, like, bring you messages or anything like that. Um, so if we are going on that, I would say another one is my mother died in 2017. Um, she had issues with depression and mental illness and taking her medication incorrectly. Um, and she ultimately succumbed to that, um, on accident. And... It took us a long time to get an autopsy report because in the state of Tennessee and in the county where she was at the time, she lived there. She lived in this place prior uh, to this, but moved away to Texas with my dad and myself, uh, but came back to visit family and was there when she died. Um, in that county, it is a requirement that if you do not have a prior known illness or you are under a certain age, that an autopsy is required. Um, so the autopsy actually took about seven months for us to get back. And I can't really tell you why it took that long. Um, it did take, it did take it to where I was calling and emailing every single day to the medical examiner's office. Um, and I ended up finding the chief medical examiner's email, sending him a not so nice email and got a phone call from him directly the next day um got her autopsy report and everything back after he did it um but that's besides the point but during those seven months of not knowing what happened to her um obviously I kind of went through my own like grief process of I went to a counselor um kind of worked through that because we didn't know what happened to her uh, we didn't know if it was something medical or if she did it to herself or anything like that. So I was very angry for a long time with her, specifically. Um, and I remember having several dreams with, like, her, my brother, my husband, and my dad. And I could see everybody's faces except for hers. Hers was always blank. 
um, anytime she turned around, it was always blank. And after the autopsy report came back, I can remember talking to my therapist and saying that I just really wish that she would have apologized for the things that she did um, and kind of owned up to that she needed help, uh, but never really recognized that. And I think a couple of weeks after that session with my therapist, I did have a dream where it was just me and my mom. And it was a dream as though we were working in the same place. And we were in a stairwell and we were sitting on a landing and she looked directly at me. I could see her face. And she said, I'm sorry, I'm sick. And I believe that was her coming back to reassure me that she understood the things that she did and that she was apologizing for it. So it kind of like turned into closure. So I kind of think that that was kind of like a paranormal experience, like a her coming back and like letting me know that everything is okay. Like she acknowledged the issues that she had. And so like almost all of my anger toward her and the situation kind of like went away after that. Um, let's move on. We only have a couple more questions. Tell So question 17 says, tell me your thoughts on the Michael Peterson and the staircase show. So I have not seen the staircase show that I, I think is, it's either on HBO Max or Peacock or Hulu or something. Um, but I know who Michael Peterson is, and I've kind of researched the case just a little bit. But I will say that I 100%, 100% without a doubt believe that he pushed her down the stairs. There's no doubt in my mind that he's the one that did this. And I don't understand how he got away with it. Or how he is trying to make anybody believe that he didn't do anything. Anyways. Question 18 is, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, 10 years from now, I will be 42 and I will be married for 22 years. Yeah, that's right. 22 years because I got married a month before my 19th birthday. Um, I hope to maybe see myself with an, another child or even if it's just with my one child and married for 22 years, I hope to still live in the same house only because I love it. Um, I hope to be in a, like a higher position within my work because I love what I do. I like what I do. Um, if you would like to know what I do, you're welcome to ask and I'll tell you. I'm just going to leave a little suspense there and you can figure it out if you'd like to. Um, but I, I hope to see myself continuing to be happy, um, and being able to work through issues that I know lots of people go through. Um, but yeah. And then the very last question is question 19. What unsolved case do you want to see solved? And we're going to go back to the very first question. I want to see the Adrian McNaughton case solved. I want to know. What happened to him? Did somebody take him? Is he possibly still alive? Did he drown in the lake? Did he die in the woods? Did somebody kidnap him and kill him somewhere else? Um, but yes, that's that's always been the one that I kind of always been curious about. I, I want to know what happened to him and why nobody's been able to figure it out. So that is all of our questions for tonight, but let's go to our 
Okay, so we do have quite a bit tonight, so just bear with me. Proud Boys leader Enrique Tario and several top members were charged with sedacious conspiracy over the January 6th U.S. Capitol attacks. A 911 dispatcher was fired during a disciplinary hearing after mishandling a call during the Buffalo supermarket shooting. A supermarket officer manager was yelled at by the dispatcher for whispering and then was hung up on. Corey Brewer was wanted for killing a woman at an Amazon warehouse in Memphis, and he was killed by police during a shootout on I-40. Billy Ray Turner was sentenced to life in prison for the killing of Lorenz Wright. John Hinckley Jr., the man who shot President Ronald Reagan, was released from prison on June 15th. Hinckley claims in his first post-jail interview that he regrets all of his actions. Michael Avenatti, the man who represented Stormy Daniels, has been sentenced to four years in prison from stealing $300,000 from her. A South Carolina man has been charged with murder after he shot several random shots at passing vehicles and killed an eight-year-old child. The Buffalo supermarket shooter was charged with domestic terrorism as a hate crime. A North Carolina man who won a $10 million lottery in 2017 has been sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for killing his girlfriend in 2020. A subway worker was shot and killed by a customer over a dispute regarding mayonnaise. Jocelyn Maxwell has been sentenced to 20 years in prison for sex trafficking minor girls. A Death Valley National Park visitor was found dead after walking for gas. Temperatures outside reached a sweltering 123 degrees. Nancy Bromfee, who wrote How to Murder Your Husband, was sentenced to life in prison for, in fact, murdering her husband. Search efforts continue for Harmony Montgomery, but the family is not expecting a very good outcome. In 1981, the bodies of Tina Klaus and Harold Klaus Jr. were discovered, but the whereabouts of their infant daughter, Holly, were unknown until now. Their bodies were not positively identified until 2021, and that's when the Texas Attorney General's office learned that Holly is still alive. The FBI has arrested Michigan Governor candidate Ryan Kelly on charges related to the involvement in the January 6th riot. A Grand Rapids, Michigan officer has been charged with second-degree murder in the shooting of Patrick Loyola. A man who spent 17 days in jail is suing American Airlines because he claims that it was their negligence that led to his arrest. A person drove a car into a crowd in Berlin, Germany, that killed one person while injuring 30. And last but not least, Simone Biles and several other gymnasts are seeking more than $1 billion from the FBI because they believe that they failed to stop Larry Nasser from molesting athletes. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. We will be back next week. If you have any questions about tonight's episode, feel free to send me an email, comment on any of my social media posts, or you can send me a direct message. Have a wonderful evening.
Thanks for sticking around to the end. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.